look, if you're trying to fill up a bucket with water, but you can never get it full because the bucket has, you know, a few small leaks, like you're never, you're never going to get it full. And that's, that's essentially why retention is so important because those leaks are customers who churn, customers who leave you and the water is money. We all know it's less expensive to keep a current customer than it is to win a new one. But are you doing everything you can to boost your customer retention levels? In this episode, we'll cover all things customer retention in the B2B space, discussing tips, tactics, and strategies you can use to turn your current customers into loyal, raving fans. Are you a startup founder or CMO trying to grow your brand? There's good news. You're not the first. Our growth team is committed to learning and earning the skills and strategies high growth companies have used to build their businesses. And now we're sharing them with you. Welcome to Growth Team Radio. Welcome to Growth Team Radio. I'm your host, Mallory Kuhn, and I'm joined today by Matt Kennard, Senior Growth Marketer at Lean Labs. Hi there, Matt. How are you? Hey, Mallory. I'm doing great. Ready to talk about our topic, which is what? Right. What are we talking about today? Yeah, today our topic is customer retention. So we're going to be talking about uh, the different strategies and approaches that you can use to keep your clients happy in B2B and, uh, you know, hopefully get your churn down. So let's start with just real basic stuff. Why is customer retention so important? Yeah, and I just want to point out before I answer that, that expert lead-in uh, that I gave you. Just want to flag that. It was cr- incredible, yeah. Um, yeah, why, so why is customer retention so important for for everyone, for every company, but but especially so for in the, you know, the B2B space? So, um, look, if, if you're trying to fill up a bucket with water, but you can never get it full because the bucket has, you know, a few small leaks, like you're never you're never going to get it full, and that's that's essentially why retention is so important because those leaks are customers who churn, customers who leave you, and the water is money. Um, water gives us life in real life. Money gives us life in the business world. Um, so it's like trying to hit revenue goals with churn rates that are too high. So you have to continually, you know, if your if your churn is too high, if you're not retaining enough customers, you have to continually spend more effort and budget acquiring new customers to replace the old ones. You're just cycling in and out. You're not actually growing uh, your overall revenue. So lowering churn, retaining more customers keeps more revenue in your bucket, in your business, and allows you to grow quarter over quarter, year over year. And it allows you to, you know, think kind of, you know, full, you know, how it fits into kind of the full funnel approach. Like it's what can allow you to, you know, if you're able to, if you're able to retain more clients and retain that revenue, and maybe in, in some cases, uh, ascend them to higher paying plans. So then you're really growing your business. Um, that allows you to reinvest that into uh, more marketing resources to acquire, you know, to acquire customers, uh, such as, you know, if you run ads to acquire customers, if you need people, if you need software, it just allows you to reinvest that into your, um, into your other channels. Uh, but, you know, whether those are, you know, tra- you know, traffic or acquisition or, um, you know, uh, uh, I'm spent putting together things for, you know, for Ascension and, and sales demos, all cool tools that you can use, uh, to, to kind of build your funnel and, and grow your business even more. So that's, to me, that's really how it fits into, uh, into the full funnel approach of, uh, of growth marketing and, and why retention is so important for B2B companies. 
Yeah, I really love that metaphor about the bucket, right? Because it's so true. If you, you know, you can feel great about all these new leads that you're bringing in and bringing in and bringing in. But if you're, you know, churning at a, at a high rate, you aren't going to be growing your business. You're just expending a lot of effort to maintain a status quo. Right. It's like, uh, uh, yeah, if you're, if you have a 10% churn every month, that means every 10 months you're churning a hundred percent of your customer base, your user base. Right. I mean, it might not be the exact customers, but that's, I mean, that's the, that's the numbers. Up. Right. Be. But that's the math. Right. So right. Having, that's how every, it out. Yeah. Every 10 months you're going to have to, re- you have to spend money to not just acquire new people, but to replace. So again, in the net, you're not, you're not growing, which is, uh, I mean, this is not good. Which is not good. So let's right. let's let's talk about some ways about how we can change that. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, we know it's important to to try to retain those uh, customers. So what do you see as some of the kind of building blocks, the keys to building those strong, lasting relationships with customers in the B two B space? Yeah, and you know, I think it starts it starts before you have even sold anyone. It, it really starts in setting the right expectations in your in your marketing in your messaging, you know, the problems that you solve, how you solve them, how easy your product is to use, kind of moving into the sales process, whether you do trials or demos, whatever that looks like, you're setting the, it's about setting the right expectations with them at that point. And then once they do purchase, you have to back those up. Whatever you promise on, you have to deliver it. And you have to do it with small, you have to do it very well. I mean, the onboarding process has to be, has to be stellar. Uh, to ensure their first experiences, not just for the person you've been talking to the entire time, your kind of brand, you know, your champion uh, within the you know, within your your prospects company that you're selling to, but ultimately the people who who are actually going to use it. It might be them, and it's surely going to be other people within their company who are using it. Um, so you have to ensure that their their experiences are memorable for all the right reasons. So that means you know setting up training times, giving them access to resources, tips. Etc. You know whatever it can take to you know make their first, um, you know their first ten minutes, ten hours, ten days using your your product super helpful and help them solve their problem you know immediately. Um, and then you know in the in the ongoing sense of it, you know once they've gone through that, they've been onboarding, they're using it, um, you know building a a long, strong, lasting relationship. What well, means you have to just like with with friends, with with spouses, significant others. You have to check in on them. So survey them regularly, see what issues they're dealing with, um, then solve those, reach out for their feedback, um, you know, invite them to events, stay in contact with them. And then, you know, the more contextually relevant your outreach is, your your kind of ongoing communication is, the closer you'll be to them in ultimately kind of forging that relationship. Yeah, it's kind of showing them that you know them. You know what kinds of outreach they might appreciate. So let's talk about how we know those things. <laughs> so, you know, what what are some of the ways you can use uh, data analytics, customer information that you may have uh, in your, you know, your CRM to develop those targeted retention strategies? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the role of customer data and analytics, you know, in, in creating the you know, retention strategies and tactics that are actually going to work uh, and not feel weird or uh, oppressing is it has to be contextually relevant to your customers. So you have to know how they're using your product, how many users they're adding over time, what features, see the most activity, you know, and so on. Uh, so you need analytics within your product to see these more kind of quantitative measures, but you also need the qualitative side of things as well. So like, again, regular customer satisfaction scores, uh, uh, surveys, scoring methods, obviously you don't want to do that too much, um, just enough to 
to where it's not intrusive to them, but that you get kind of qualitative side of things. These surveys, you know, especially if you have open-ended questions, which are always great, you know, can can help you uncover any issues that they're having. Uh, perhaps a need that can be solved with upselling or, or cross-selling them to another product tier or adding another you know, adding another product. Uh, you can also discover needs for enhancements to your product uh, in these surveys. So it's really a combination of how your customers use the product and having those analytics, as well as digging in and, and asking them how uh, your product can serve them better. Yeah. Well, we're talking about the product itself, right? A lot of... Uh... Uh, at least our customers that we serve, uh, the product is not even frequently a physical product, right? We we work with a lot of folks in the tech and SaaS space where it's more of a, um, you know, a tool. And how can these customers use uh, product usage or demo trial data, right? Some of those uh, kind of analytics of things that maybe even happened before the purchase is made um, to reduce their customer churn. Yes, I mean with with like the product analytics piece of it, it's you know identifying usage patterns uh, again to see how they are using your your product. Again, features that are used aren't used. Um, you do that. Who are the power users within their company? What's their role? What are they doing? Um, you can also look at engagement metrics. You know how often they log in, how much time they spend in the, in the platform. Um, you know frequency of, of feature usage as we talked about, and then. You know, kind of identifying you know possible bad you know bad things happen. You kind of identify the drop offs or decline in in these engagement levels. Um, that's that's like within the product. You know, thinking about before we even sell to them, like in demos and trials, uh, you should always be collecting feedback from from anyone, anyone who's gone through a demo or a trial. Um, because what you really need to be doing is identifying. Hopefully, you've done this already, but you know, common pain points and concerns or objections. So you can work that into your demo or you can work that into kind of the, the lead into a trial. Um, and then, you know, that you can also use that if it's, you know, if it's something that kind of fits in something that needs to be updated in your onboarding process, you can also use those warnings to, to improve there. Um, a few other things, just, you know, just kind of high level, uh, you know, like feature, you know, feature adoption analysis. If you have a product with a lot of different features, you know, what are the most and least adopted during trials and, and demos or most asked about during demos, particularly as it, you know, if you're selling to different roles within a company, which roles, uh, you know, which roles are, are most important to them? What are they asking about in, in demos? Um, you know, personalized, personalized onboarding uh, is, is another way that we can use data. So, um, you know, personalizing the onboarding experience, providing tailored resources and tutorials based on, again, all the context you can gather from them of what they're trying to do, uh, what their specific goal is, um, and whatever it is that's going to help them realize the value of the product early on. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's just a few, that's just a few things kind of like high level, kind of the biggest ones. Obviously there's more, more targeted things like exit surveys and, and feedback from, you know, from trials. And then, you know, um, if you want to do a trial extension offer, so, uh, you know, where you monitor their usage patterns and offer trial extensions to users who have shown strong engagement, but haven't yet converted, just kind of, Hey, we'll, we'll extend your, your 30 days to, uh, 30, you know, to, for another week or another two weeks, uh, you know, maybe provide some additional incentives or support to encourage them to become paying customers. Those are all ways that we can really leverage this, um, you know, product demo and trial data to, um, you know, to really help uh, uh, get customers on board, but then also, you know, also retain them. Yeah. 
I think there's there's a lot of really great uh, information in there. And especially I want to touch back on the the feature adoption, because I think that's something that um, everyone, you know, you should be looking at. Uh, say you have a game changing feature and a lot of people aren't even touching it. Well, maybe that's why you're getting churned, right? Uh, just people don't even know that your tool can do this or maybe it's a bit too too challenging to navigate and you, you know, go back and take a look at that. Um, I want to talk about warning signs, right? Mm-hmm. You want to be preventative, right? Being preventative is like proactive. It's always going to be better than trying to constantly be coming back and, and fighting your way uphill. What are some of the kind of uh, canaries in the coal mine, if you will? Um, so signs that there's a risk that a customer might be leaving. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of some of the things that kind of the, the, the negative aspect of some of the things we've touched on already. So, you know, decline it in usage. So, uh, you know, or a drop it in, in logins or long periods of, of time where they're not logging in or inactivity, um, you know, things like that, lack of, you know, as we just talked about feature adoption, lack of feature adoption, you know, maybe they haven't, uh, you know, haven't used any other, you know, any feature since they first started and they just kind of stuck on that one basic thing, uh, that one basic feature that they kind of got started with. Um, you can also look at, um, you know, support ticket frequency and tone. Um, you know, what's, what's going on with, you know, what's going on with them? Why are they, you know, if they're sending in a lot of tickets, um, you know, not understanding how something works or it's not solving their problem. That means we didn't set the expectations kind of going back to what we talked about earlier, setting the right expectations of what the product can do, how it can solve the problem and how easy it is for them to use. Um, I mean, and it kind of along with that, you have, you know, if issues, if they've reported issues to you and they've gone unresolved, I mean, that's just asking, that's just asking for trouble to be quite, uh, uh, that, you know, asking for trouble to be quite honest, you know, if you're, um, you know, sending out surveys, uh, you know, getting negative feedback from that, or, you know, if you've sent a survey before and then you send it again, you know, six months, eight months later, and they have a, you know, a big drop in their scores of how they're rating their product, how they're rating your support, et cetera, et cetera. That's a, you know, that's a sign as well. So, um, yeah, all these, all these things, that's not an exhaustive list, but that's really what I would look at is, um, you know, things within the product, how they're using it, not using it, support tickets. Um, and then just, you know, if we're surveying them like we should be, what are they saying? Are we resolving their issues? And how do their scores look over time? Yeah. So now let's take that a step further. So say you, you know, find this population where their usage metrics are dropping or they're suddenly submitting a whole bunch of tickets and getting, uh, you know, a little, a little frustrated, um, what are some steps that you can take at that stage to prevent them from leaving before they reach that critical mass of, you know, frustration or disinterest and they do churn? Yeah. I mean, the, the first thing, I mean, when you, when you find kind of a, a customer in distress, uh, if you want to call it that is I, I think it personalized pro, I mean, it's not really proactive at that point. I hopefully you've been <laughs> engaging with them proactively before that point. Um, but checking in with them, you know, dedicating some support and resources to them. Maybe they have a dedicated uh, person from your support team to check in with them. Uh, just have an initial conversation of like, hey, what's, you know, what's going on? We, you know, for reasons A, B, and C, uh, you know, we've noticed this and this. Just want to make sure that you're still getting value out of, out of what you paid for. And if I can help you, if I can help you do that, you know, whether that's, hey, this issue that we sent in a month ago hasn't been resolved. That person can got to be the catalyst to get that done. 
um you know if they if they just um if if they're you know if they're just not feeling like it's um right or you know maybe it's just like they're just not they're just not um understanding uh, the the value that that your product can provide and and they just need kind of a um you know a kind of uh, uh, a do over or a just going through some training and support and, and kind of onboarding again with their team you know maybe that's maybe that's just something where they just you know they had all the intentions to to use the tool when they signed up and they bought it and they're excited and then things outside of your product and what they use it for happen you know life happens work happens um and they just need to know they just you know need to come back to and get recentered on why they got this thing in the first place what it's helping them do what it's helping them solve um yeah that i mean that's that's really it is like a customer in distress i'm kind of looking at my notes that i prepared for this it all really comes down to just getting immediate immediate touch with them and just Hey, what's, what's going what's going on? Like, what is, um, you know, how can I be helpful? Whether that, again, unresolved issues or something like that, just, um, I, I think it has to be one-to-one. I don't know how helpful, like an automated, um, thing can be at some point they're going to have to reach out to a person, especially if they are, um, you know, higher value where they, you know, higher value account where they might be using a number of, um, you know, and using a number of, uh, of features and then their scores have dropped or their their uh, usage has dropped. Uh, it really just, just kind of requires that that reaching out and, and touch point to just get centered on how can we turn things around? What's what's kind of the, the impetus for um, any issues that they're having or, or drops in scores and then trying to solve those things? Yeah, I do think that personal touch is, is so important, right? I'm, I'm thinking of the times when uh, you know, I've been in previous positions and have uh, spoken up in a meeting to encourage we not readopt a tool, right? It's frequently for me, it's been, oh, I've been reaching out to support and I'm just getting, you know, automated responses back. You know, if I had gotten that personal touch, I, you know, may not have made that recommendation. Um, so I feel like real, an over-reliance maybe on just automating things and not giving that personal touch is uh, possibly one uh, mistake that a company could make that would jeopardize their customer retention. What uh, what other mistakes would you kind of warn people to steer clear of uh, if they don't want to jeopardize their retention? Yeah, I, yeah, I think the the first thing is kind of again back to what we first talked about is just like making sure that we're delivering on the value and. In the expectations that we set in our marketing, like our marketing and sales process cannot be describing one product and then when they get it, they they experience something else. Um, those two things have to match up, which means that which means that you know marketing and sales. I know that you know we've talked we've talked about on this podcast, I'm sure, and, and people have talked ad nauseum about the rift between marketing and sales. But that's why customer support folks, customer success teams, have to be involved in in the conversation of, of what, you know, what, when we're going to market with our messaging, what that looks like, because they're the ones who then have to, um, you know, if we've misaligned, they're the ones who have to deal with it and try and correct that mistake for, for paying users. Um, and if you don't have, you know, if you have an inadequate customer support, I mean, obviously that's a, that's a big thought right there. If you're so, if you're so 
uh, invested in just acquiring, uh, you know, the acquiring phase and you put all of your, put all of your bags into the acquisition, in your acquisition channels and your, your, uh, you know, you neglect customer onboarding, you neglect, uh, customer support, not having enough resources there. Uh, you know, for, for those who are, for those who are, uh, uh, you know, fans of, of South Park, I know that's a kind of controversial or polarizing show, but there's a great, there's a great, great gift from that, that I like to use. It's a, the skiing instructor. It's like, if you do these things, you're going to have a bad time. So if you overemphasize acquisition, neglect customer onboarding, you have enough support resources in place, you're going to have a bad time when it comes to customer retention. That water is going to keep leaking out of your bucket. And you're going to have to spend more to to essentially replace the same people over and over again. Um, and obviously other stuff that we've, you know, we talked about, not addressing issues promptly when they do get, um, when they do get through to your team. Um, and then any kind of customer success metrics that you're, that you're looking at, just it happens to the best of us. You set up a dashboard and everything. You have full intention of looking at it and reviewing it regularly. And you just, and you just don't, I mean, that's, that's the reality of it is that you have to have the, um, you have to have those regular checks, uh, in place because ignoring customer success metrics is a sure way to, uh, jeopardize and, um, really undercut your, your ability to retain customers. Yeah. Well, let's let's talk about those metrics, right? Because uh, we love numbers here. <laughs> um, it's, you know, we always had to talk about the metrics and the KPIs that are important. Um, and yeah, I agree. Ignoring the the data that's available to you is is one of the most critical mistakes I think you can make in a lot of different areas. Um, but what are some of those retention metrics, KPIs that we should be tracking and, and keeping a close eye on for B2B? Yeah, so I mean, the the biggest one is probably just customer retention rate or CRR when that measures the percentage of your customers retained over a specific period. Um, so, for example, let's say I'm trying, I'm gonna try not to do math at a audio medium, but I think we're gonna have to. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sometimes it's unavoidable. <laughs> right, right. So let's say you want to measure your customer retention rate for for Q4 that we're in right now. Okay, we fast forward to January first. You want to see from October 1st through December 31st, how many, you know, what your customer retention rate is. So you take the number of customers you have at the end of the quarter, subtract the number of new customers acquired during Q4, and then divide that by the number of customers at the end of the period. Obviously, that'll give you a decimal. So you just multiply that by 100 and you have your CRR. So let's say, you know, let's put some numbers to it. So say a company had 100 customers at the start of the period. And they ended the period with 100 customers and they added 10 customers over that period, right? So they would have a customer retention rate of 90%. Again, this is where I'm going to describe some math, okay? So you take the the 100 customers that you ended the period with minus the 10 that you added, okay, that gives you 90, divided by the number of customers you had to start, which was 100, that gives you 0.9 times 100 equals 90%. Okay, so, <laughs> so yeah, thanks. Yeah. Uh, some math for us there uh, in an audio format. <laughs> Our math lesson of the day. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, there's also churn rate. That's another big one. Uh, it's a percentage of customers you've lost over a specific period. Uh, and it's just basically the opposite of, or the inverse of the retention rate. And it's basically 100% minus your CRR. So, um, yeah. So 100% minus whatever you got from that first equation. That's your that's your churn rate. Um, there's also net, nev- net revenue retention. Obviously, Number of customers and churn rate is great. We also will need to drill that down to the revenue that we're bringing in. 
um, and that changes or that measures the change in the net change uh, in revenue from existing customers. Um, it accounts for expansion, so upsells, cross sales, uh, as well as any down sales and churn. So you're kind of getting all of that in here. Ways that you increase revenue, ways that you, revenue decreased, and a positive net uh, revenue uh, retention indicates that you're you know you're you're growing your revenue from existing customers. Well, I think that's important to note about the net revenue retention. So we're talking about the actual dollars versus just the customers, right? Because if you're losing a few customers that are, you know, lower, you know, hitters, <laughs> and then you bring in fewer, but they're heavier hitters, that's something you still need to know. Um, so I think that's important to, right. you know, always bring it back to real dollars. Um, what are some of the other metrics that we should be keeping an eye on? Yeah, I mean, there's... There's a whole, I mean, there's a whole host of them. So it's really determining like what's most important for your organization and, 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 you know, the best way for you to understand your customers, just like any analytics or metrics or KPIs, you can go as deep as you want, but some others include like customer lifetime value. That's a pretty basic one. Um, you know, upsell and upsell and cross sell conversion rates, um, kind of with that expansion revenue. So that's tracking you know, additional revenue generated from existing customers that you upsell, cross-sell, or additional purchases beyond their initial uh, uh, subscription or, or purchase. You know, for for doing, uh, you know, customer satisfaction surveys, you can have like a customer health score uh, or CSAT, CSAT is another way to say that. And then obviously the net promoter question, net promoter scores. Um I'm trying to think about uh, you know renewal rate when it comes to you know uh, you know when it comes to kind of earning their business retaining customers obviously you want to know that uh, some more product related ones are like time to value um, you, you know feature adoption rates you should met usage metrics we already, already talked about that and then support you know, so, you know support ticket resolution time how fast are you solving their problems that they're bringing to you um, you know and then obviously uh, you know customer feedback reviews already kind of talked about that. There's there's a whole host of ways, a whole host of things you can you can measure. Kind of, I would go obviously just importance of importance for me or priority would be just the the order that we discussed those in. So CRR, customer retention rate, churn rate, net revenue retention, and then whatever else you need to, um, you know, that helps you keep keep a good tab on your your retention uh, abilities. Yeah, so we know retention is important. We do because we've been talking about it for half an hour at this point. Um, but, you know, a lot of yeah. times I think especially right. I think especially in uh, if we're talking marketing teams, especially uh, we tend to focus more on the front end of the funnel. Right. And retention kind of slips to the wayside a little bit. Um, so if we're talking about making an organizational shift, right, we want to ingrain kind of that retention first mindset of a retention is important and we need to really be focusing on it. What are some of the changes that a business could make on an organizational level to ingrain that mindset in the whole culture? Yeah, I mean, you know, speaking as you know, as a marketer, or even if you're you know, in a sales capacity and you're not you're not in leadership, you have to make the case to leadership, and they have to be committed and become the internal champion of customer retention. Um, I mean, your CFO will. Your CFO will like it. I mean, he should be the first one. He or she should be the first one to get left on board with that. It's like keep more revenue in house. I'm sure. Let's do that. Uh, <laughs> they really have to. 
they really have to have, be bought into it and, and champion it and champion that mindset because the rest of it is kind of a, a it kind of falls, you know, kind of rolls downhill from that. So then that's like building a customer centric culture. You know, there are a lot of great um, examples of companies that do that. Like um, Zappos, we just had to, my wife and I just had to do a, a Zappos return. Um, it was super quick, super easy. Um, obviously cross-functional collaboration. So like marketing sales, you know, we've already talked about it, marketing sales, customer success, product teams, um, making sure everyone's on the same page in terms of how, how important customer retention is. Um, unified customer data. So now we're kind of getting to the technical aspect of it. Of just everyone have access to, um, to the data that's needed to understand, um, you know, everything we've talked about to this point. Does everyone have access to, you know, customer feedback? Is there, you know, is there a process in place for, um, you know, and probably tools in place, and therefore expenditures for, you know, um, you know, sending out surveys and collecting that and acting on those insights, and then, you know. Uh, obviously the you know from from um again from a financial perspective is you know are people are there incentives that are aligned around retention as well um you know for for rewarding teams and individuals not only for requiring new customers which is great but for keeping again keeping more of that water in the bucket plugging up those holes and maintaining and expanding relationships with existing uh with existing company uh, customers so those are all things that you can do, but it, your your leadership has to be on board, has to be has to be with it. Which just use my water bucket analogy, and I, I think that I should do it. You don't really need much else than that. No, I'm joking, right? Well, uh, I love that metaphor. It's so yeah. clear and it's very easy to visualize, right? Like, oh my gosh, yeah, if we have a leaky bucket, that's not good. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Well, let's wrap things up by kind of giving I don't know maybe a, a final word of caution or just exploring the flip side of, you know, really investing in retention efforts. I'm curious about um, over-focusing on retention, if if that's the right way to phrase it. If there's retention efforts, tactics that can become counterproductive if they're overdone. So, you know, can you, I'm thinking of, you know, I've personally had times where I'm using a solution and I I feel a bit pestered maybe. Um, can you over nurture a customer and actually end up driving them away? Is this something that people should be concerned about? I mean, you can. I, I don't have any insight into how often it happens, but I mean I'm sure I'm sure we both have had experiences with this in like a B2C aspect yeah. or, you know, a company <laughs> that we use for you know, for uh, you know, you mentioned before we before uh, we were started recording, uh, like like a meal delivery uh, service or or whatever it is. Like honestly, it's just it's just having common sense to avoid these things. So like excessive communication, too much communication, um, like not just emails. I know email is kind of like the boogeyman when it comes to it, but like um, you know, calling uh, you know call to me calls uh, might upset people, might uh, irritate customers aggressive upselling like you know they're i think most people most sales people are good about this and and, and not doing it but upselling and cross selling it's it's a great way to increase revenue with existing customers but being too aggressive and just being like oh you've been with us six months that means you should you should definitely be using this thing that we can upsell you into it has to be contextual to what they need again going back to the need for surveys and understanding what's going on with them and how they're using the product Otherwise, it can feel super, you know, like a lot of pressure 
and it can lead to you know them feeling not super great about responding to anything from from your company um you know surveying too frequently like i don't want to take four surveys a year um about my about my product usage uh once or twice a year is good um you may be able to get away with with three if you're making you know if they're using your product a lot and you've made or you've made changes which please please tell tell customers when you're making changes or product updates or anything like that um then you can you can survey a little more frequently but um yeah i i guess the other thing is just like again just flat out ignoring any of those early signs of customer dissatisfaction that we talked about um and addressing those promptly i mean you have the feedback channels in place so if you're not going to do anything about the information that you get from it you can expect customers to churn and if that's your goal then just if you want to keep that bucket leaky then then keep doing those things if you don't then don't do those things so it, <laughs> it really comes down to common sense uh when it comes to when it comes to kind of these over nurturing and, and driving people away yeah common sense and i think we can bring it back even to that human touch right if you're just treating you know your customers as though they are just the, the number that you're just trying to prevent the churn uh of them then you may end up doing some of these tactics but if you just treat them like a person uh and have those human conversations maybe you can avoid uh avoid some of that it's we have we have a I was going to say, the last thing is we have so much more technology and tools out than we ever have. But if you don't have a human-centric focus and just like some human common sense in your retention, in your marketing, in your sales, like, what are we, what are we doing here? Like, <laughs> Right. It's becoming more important than ever. Right. That, yeah. It's more the companies that leverage the tools to do some of the work but then still come through as human and still understand that people are people and we're not selling just to a, a persona or a, you know a number of sheet like that's ultimately what's gonna what's gonna help your retention your customer retention win do all the things that we talked about don't do all the, the negative things that we talked about and be human there's your there's your tldr for this entire episode i like it yeah there's the, there's the major takeaway <laughs> perfect well, I think that's been great. Thank you so much for chatting with me today about uh, customer retention and B2B. Yeah, of course. Absolutely my pleasure. Awesome. I think these insights are going to give our audience a lot to think about when it comes to their own retention strategies and their efforts. So thank you, everybody out there for listening. Uh, as always, don't forget to subscribe so that you never miss one of our episodes. And if you have a second, uh, go on your favorite podcast application and give us a rating. Give us a review. Uh, until next time, this has been Growth Team Radio. Want to grow your business? Trying to find the right path to do it? Well, we've got the answers. Go to stopscaling.com. Yes, you heard right. Go to stopscaling.com where we'll show you the exact way to grow your business this year.